0: 31, is generally got through with a nastiness approaching to nicety, but it is time to make our escape from the bower, and we therefore leave them to get through the chuff and crow, which is often the wind up, because it admits of a good deal of growling in our absence, we cannot be tempted to remain even to witness the pleasing performances of the sons of Syria, nor the ants of Abyssinia, we will not wait to see Mr. McDonald sing hot coblings on his head, Though the bills inform us he has been honored by a command to go through that interesting process from nearly all the crowned heads in Europe. Punch. O.R. The London C.H.A.R.I.V.A.R.I. Volume 1. For the week ending September 25th. 1841. The heir of A.P.P.L.E.B.I.D.E. Chapter V shows that, there's many a slip, between other things beside, the cup and the lip. The heir of Applebyte continued to squall and thrive, to the infinite delight of his youthful mama who was determined that the joyful occasion of his cutting his first tooth should be duly celebrated by an evening party of great splendor, and accordingly cards were issued to the following effect, Mr. and Mrs. A. P. P. L. E. B. I. D. E. request the honor of S. Company to an evening party. On Thursday, the twelfth-inst, quadrilles, an answer will oblige. It was the first homemade party that Columption had ever given, for though during his bachelorhood he had been no niggard of his hospitality, yet the confectioner had supplied the edibles, and the upholsterer arranged the decorations, but now Mrs. Applebyte, with a laudable spirit of economy, converted Number 24, Pleasant Terrace, into a perfect cuisine for a week preceding the eventful evening, and old John was kept in a constant state of excitement by Mrs. Wadleydott, who superintended the ornamental department of these elaborate preparations. Agamemnon felt that he was a cipher in the house, for no one condescended to notice him for three whole days, and it was with extreme difficulty that he could procure the means of recruiting exhausted nature at those particular hours which had hitherto been devoted to the necessary operation. On the morning of the twelfth, Agamemnon was anxiously engaged in endeavoring to acquire a knowledge of the last alterations in the figure of Lopastral, when he fancied he heard an unusual commotion in the lower apartments of his establishment. In a few moments his name was vociferously pronounced by Mrs. Applebyte, and the affrighted Columption rushed downstairs, expecting to find himself another Thyestes, whose children, it is recorded, were made into a pie for his own consumption. On entering the kitchen he perceived the cause of the uproar, although he could see nothing else, for the dense suffocating vapour with which the room was filled. Oh dear, said Mrs. Applebyte the chimney's on fire, one pound of fresh butter, and two pound of single quote lard single quote ass done it, exclaimed Susan, what's to be done, inquired Columption, send for my brother, sir, said Betty, where does he live, cried old John, on number 746, replied Betty, where's that, cried the whole assembled party, I don't know, but it's a hackney coach as he drives, said Betty, a general chorus of, shaw greeted this very unsatisfactory rejoinder. Another rush of smoke into the kitchen rendered some more active measures necessary, and, after a short discussion, it was decided that John and Betty should proceed to the roof of the house with two pails full of water, whilst Agamemnon remained below to watch the effects of the measure. When John and Betty arrived at the chimney pots, the puffer was so confusing, that they were undecided which was the rebellious flu, but, in order to render assurance doubly sure, They each selected the one they conceived to be the delinquent, and discharged the contents of their buckets accordingly, without any apparent diminution of the intestine war which was raging in the chimney. A fresh supply from a cistern on the roof, similarly applied, produced no better effects, and Agamemnon, in an agony of doubt, rushed upstairs to ascertain the cause of non-abatement, accidentally popping his head into the drawing room. What was his horror at beholding the beautiful Brussels carpet? so lately, redland of brilliant hues, one sheet of inky liquid, into which Mrs. Wadley got who had followed him instantly swooned, Agamemnon, in his alarm, never thought of his wife's mother, but had rushed halfway up the next flight of stairs, when a violent knocking arrested his ascent, and, with the fear of the whole fire brigade before his eyes, he rushed to open the door, the knocker of which kept up an incessant clamor both in and out of the house, the first person that met his view was a footman. 25, Deed with the same sooty evidence of John and Betty's exertions, as he had encountered on entering his own drawing room, the dreadful fact flashed upon Columption's mind, and long before the winded and saturated servant could detail the horrors he had witnessed in his missus's best bedroom, in number 25, the bewildered proprietor of number 24 was frantically shaking his innocently offending menial on the leads of his own establishment, then came a confused noise of little voices in the street, shouting and hearing in the fullness of that delight which we regret to say is too frequently felt by the world at large at the misfortunes of one in particular. Then came the sullen rumble of the parish engine, followed by violent assaults on the bell and knocker. Then another huzza, welcoming the extraction of the fire plug, and the sparkling fountain of new river, which followed as a providential consequence. Columption again descended as John had at last discovered the right chimney, and having inundated the coupons and the kitchen, had succeeded in extinguishing the sooty cause of all these disasters. The mob had, by this time, increased to an alarming extent. Policemen were busily employed in making a ring for the exhibition of the waterworks. Little boys were pushing each other into the flowing gutter. Small girls, with astonished infants in their arms, were struggling for front places against the opposite railings, and every window from the drawing-rooms to the attics, in pleasant terrace were studded with heads, in some way resembling the doll heads in a gingerbread lottery, with which a man on a wooden leg was tempting the money portion of the juvenile alarmists. Agamemnon opened the door, and being flanked by the whole of his household, proceeded to address the populace on the present satisfactory state of his kitchen chimney. The announcement was received by expressions of extreme disgust, as though every auditor considered that a fire ought to have taken place and that they had been defrauded of their time and excitement, and that the extinguishing of the same by any other means than by legitimate engines was a gross imposition, he was about remonstrating with them on the extreme inconvenience which would have attended a compliance with their reasonable and humane objections, when his eloquence was suddenly cut short by a jet which a ragged urchin directed over him, by scientifically placing his foot over the spouting plug hole, this clever maneuver in some way pacified the crowd, And after awaiting the reappearance of the parish engineer, who had insisted on a personal inspection of the premises, they gave another shout of derision and departed, thus commenced the festivities to celebrate the advent of the first tooth of the heir of Applebyte, Graves and, from our own correspondent, this delightful watering place is filled with beauty and fashion, there being lots of large curls and small bonnets in every portion of the town and neighborhood. We understand it is in contemplation to convert the mud on the banks of the river into sand, in order that the idea of the seaside may be realized as far as possible. Two donkey cart loads have already been laid down by way of experiment, and the spot on which they were thrown was literally thronged with pedestrians. The only difficulty likely to arise is that the tide washes the sand away, and leaves the mud just as usual. The return of the imports and exports shows an immense increase in the prosperity of the if not salubrious seaport, at least healthy watercourse. It seems that the importation of Margate slippers this year, as compared with that of the last, has been as two and three quarters to a one and a half, or rather more than double, while the consumption of donkeys has been most gratifying, and proves beyond doubt that the pedestrians and equestrians are not so numerous by any means as the assignistrians. The first round of a new ladder for ascending the balconies of the bathing rooms was laid on Wednesday. Amidst an inconvenient concourse of visitors, with the exception of a rap on the toes received by those who pressed so much on the carpenter employed as to retard the progress of his work, all passed off quietly. After the ceremony, the man was regaled by the proprietor of the rooms with some beer at the tap of the neighboring hotel for families and gentlemen. Punches essence of yathaw, scrupulously prepared from the recipe of the late Mr. Joseph Miller, and theater by the royal family, the twelve judges the Lord Chancellor, the Swell Mob, Mr. H. O. Bieler, and the Court of Aldermen, also by the Commissioners of Police, the Sexton of Street M. A. R. Wiley B. O. N. E., the Phoenix Life Assurance Company, the King of the Sandwich Islands, and the London Missionary Society. This inestimable composition, which cures all disorders, and keeps in all climates, may be head of every respectable bookseller on the face of the globe. Price 3D. Testimonials. To Mr. Punch. Sir. Having incautiously witnessed two consecutive performances of Mr. McCready in the Lady of Leon, the comic portions of them threw me into a state of deep and chronic melancholy, which the various physicians employed were unable to cure. Hearing, however, of your excellent medicine, I took it regularly every Saturday for five weeks, and am now able to go about my daily employment, which being that of a low comedian, was materially interfered with by my late complaint. I remain, with gratitude, Yours truly, John Saunders, New Strand Theatre, Sir. I was, till lately, private secretary to a Lord John Russell. I had to copy his somniferous dispatches, to endure a rehearsal of his prosy speeches, to get up, that an immense labor to myself, incessant laughs at his jokes, at length, by the enormous exertions the last duty imposed upon me, I sunk into a hopeless state of cash impotence, my risible muscles refused to perform their office and I lost mine, I was discharged, fortunately, however, for me, I happened to meet with your infallible pills to purge melancholy, and tried nose, one to ten inclusive of them, with feelings overflowing with gratitude, I now inform you, that I have procured another situation with Sir James Graham, and to show you how completely my roaring powers have returned, I have only to state, that it was I who got up the screeching applause with which Sir James's recent jokes about the wild and tame sergeants were greeted. I am, Sir, Years George Stephen, late, over, secretary, and author of the Canadian Rebellion. Sir, being the proprietor of several weekly newspapers, which I have conducted for many years, my jocular powers gradually declined, from hard usage and incessant labor, till I was reduced to a state of despair, for my papers ceasing to sell. I experienced a complete stoppage of circulation. In this terrible state, I had the happiness to meet with your essence of guffaw and tried its effect upon my readers by inserting several doses of uretic salt in my new weekly messenger. Planet and see and see. The effects were wonderful. Their amount of sale increased at every joke and has now completely recovered. I am Sir John Bell Craven Street Strand. Note. This testimonial is gratifying, as the gentleman has hitherto failed to acknowledge the source of the wonderful cure we have effected in his property, sir, as the offer of the facetious political essays in the Morning Herald, it is but due to you that I should candidly state the reason why my articles have, of late, so visibly improved, in truth, sir, I am wholly indebted to you, feeling a gradual debility come over my facetiae. I tried several potions of the, new monthly, and, Bentley's miscellany, without experiencing the smallest relief, punch, and his, essence of guffaw, were, however, most strongly recommended to me by my friend the editor of, Cruickshank's omnibus, who had wonderfully revived after taking repeated doses, I followed his example, and am now completely re-established in fine, jocular health, I am, sir, the, own correspondent, Julane, inestimable sir. A thousand blessings light upon your head. You have snatched a too fond heart from a too early grave. My life preserver. My punch. Receive the grateful benedictions of a resuscitated soul. Of a saved Seraphina Simpkins. Samuel. Dearest punch. Was false. He took Jimmy Ma to the pavilion. I detected his perfidy. And determined to end my sorrows under the far forge of Waterloo Bridge. In my way to the fatal spot I passed no. I could not pass your office by chance directed, or by fate constrained, I stopped to read a placard of your infallible specific, I bought one dose it was enough, I had now forgotten Samuel, and unhappy in the affection of another, publish this, if you please, it may be of service to a young persons who are crossed in love, and in want of straw bonnets at 3s, 60, each, best Dunstable, I am, yours, S-E-R-A-P-H-I-N-A-S-I-N-P-K-I-Ns, architect of Tuscan, straw, and other bonnets. Land Street, Birdo. Caution. None are genuine and duly stamped with good humor, good taste, and good jokes. Observe. Punch. are The London C. H. A. R. I. V. A. R. I. Price Threatance. Is on the cover. Several spurious imitations are abroad. At a reduced price. The effects of which are dreadful upon the system. W. H. At Tyler. The following pictorial joke has been sent to us by Count Dorsey which he denominates all our attempts to discover the wit of the tableau d'esprit have been quite futile. Perhaps our readers will be more successful. M.E.S.M.E.R.I.C. Advertisement. Wanted. My Lafond, Lafond A few fine able-bodied young men, who can suffer the running of pins into their legs without flinching, and who can stare out an ignited Lucifer without winking. A few respectable-looking men, to get up in the room and make speeches on the subject of the mesmeric science will also be treated with quakers hats and coats are kept on the premises any little boy who has been accustomed at school to bear the cane without wincing will be liberally treated with an alarming strike Horace T.W.I.S.S. on being told that the workmen employed at the new houses of parliament struck last week to the number of 468 declared that he would follow their example unless Bob raised his wages Sir Rhubarb Gill MP and MD, now the poor law is the only remedy for all the distresses referred to contained in the whole of the baronet's speech. Morning Chronicle, September 21st. Oh, dear doctor, great Bill and Phil most worthy follower in the steps of drive X, and eat that canny man old drive Hanneman to individuals of consummate dumption, who declare, that when so are the patients laboring under a consumption, to save him from a trip across the sticks, to ancient Nixon-Gerons-Shallop, if the consumption be upon the canter, it should be put upon the gallop instanter, for similia similibus curantur. Great medicinal, cob beating the mote of old Hippocrates, whom M. D. single quote s mostly follow. Quite hollow, which would make a patient take no end of virtues for the belly ache, and find beyond a question a power of good in a lump of cold plum pudding for a case of indigestion. And just as sage in this wise age, faith, Doctor Peel is your law which, as a remedy for poverty, would recommend the poor law. There is at present in London a gentleman with an enormous beard, who professes the science of animal magnetism, and undertakes to deprive of sense those who come under his hand, but as those who flock to his exhibition have generally left all the sense they possess at home, he finds it difficult to accomplish his purposes, if it is animal magnetism to send another to sleep. What a series of soirees mesmerics must take place in the House of Commons during the sitting of Parliament. There is no doubt that Sir Robert Peel is the La of political mesmerism, the fountain of quackery and every pass he makes with his hand over poor John Bull serves to bring him into that state of stupefaction in which he may be most easily victimized. While La thrusts pins into his patient, the Premier sends poor John into a swoon, for the purpose of, as it is vulgarly termed, sticking it into him. And as the French quack holds Lucifer's to the nostril, Peel plays the devil under the very nose of the paralyzed sufferer. One resorts to electrics, the other to election tricks. But each has the same object in view to bring the subject of the operation into a state of unconsciousness. If the premier would give a matinee politique, it would prove a formidable rival to the soiree mesmeric of the gentleman in the beard, who seems impressed with the now popular idea, that genius and a clean chin are wholly incompatible all is lost now. Serby Hall is still Serby Hall. Where is the peerage that be all and end all of his patriotism? Really the Whigs ought to have given the poor dog a bone, considering with what perseverance he has always been when a person holds an argument with his neighbor on the opposite end of the street. Why is there no chance of their agreeing? Because they argue from different premises. Novel subscriptions. Looking into an Australian paper the other day, we cast our eye over a list of subscriptions for the St. Patrick's Orphan School, Windsor, which, after enumerating several sums, varying from 10 l, to 5 shillings, ended with the following singular contributions, Mr. Burke's supply of potatoes, a friend 5 pounds of beef, and a coat, a friend in need a shoulder of mutton, a poor woman a large damper, an emigrant 10 quarts of milk, an emigrant a frying pan, at first we were disposed to be amused with the heterogeneous nature of the contributions, but, on reflection, we felt disposed to applaud a plan which enabled everyone to bestow a portion of any article of which he possesses a superabundance. If, for instance, a similar subscription were began here, we might expect to find the following contributions, Sir Orobiarty Peel or a large stock of political consistency, Lord Lindendary an ounce of wit, Lord Inora may and B.A. a complete copy of, yes and number, Colonel S.I.B.D.H.O.R.P. at Calf's Head. Garnished. The Bishop of Exeter his pastoral blessing. Lord Melbourne and Lord John Russell a pair of cast-off slippers. Mr. Wakeley a dish of Tory flummery. Dan O'Connell a prime lot of songs for the sentimental. Number 7. Fair Daphne has tresses as bright as the hue that illumines the West when a summer day closes. Her eyes seem like violets laden with dew her lips will compare with the sweetest of roses, by Daphne's decree I am doomed to despair, though oft times I've prayed the fair maid to revoke it, no colon I love, thus will Daphne declare, put that in your pipe, if you will, sir, and smoke it, once I thought that she loved me oh, fatal deceit, for she wore at the dance the gay wreath I had twined her, she smiled when I swore that I envied each sweet, and vowed that in love's rosy chains I would bind her, I pressed her soft hand, and a blush did her cheek. Oh, there's love, I exclaimed, in that eye's liquid glancing. She spoke, and I think I can still hear her speak, you know about love what a pig knows of dancing. Johamie and 90, the late of Middlesex, during his visit to Switzerland, happened to be charged, at a cottage halfway up the Jura, three farthings for seven eggs, astonished and disgusted at the demand, he vehemently declared that things were come to a pretty the ministerial top. We understand Sir James Graham has lately been laboring under severe and continued fits of vertigo, produced, as his medical attendant state, by his extraordinary propensity for turning round, Bernard Cavanaugh and the poor law commissioners. It is not generally known that the above gentleman has been officially engaged by the eminent and philanthropic pauper patrons, to put his principles into practice throughout the whole of the unions in the United Kingdom. Knowing the extraordinary appetite of the vulgar for anything approaching the unintelligible and marvelous, we feel sorry to be obliged, by a brief detail of this gentleman's early life and habits, to divest the present phenomenon of much of its apparent wonder and romance. Mr. Cavanaugh was in infancy rather remarkable for the many sleepless nights he occasioned his worthy parents by his juvenile intimations that fasting at that time was no part of his system. He progressed rapidly in his powers of consumption and was indeed a child of war. As his nurse expressed it, he was always good for three rounds at breakfast, not at all to be sneezed at luncheon, anything but bad at dinner, hearty at tea another three-rounder, and very consistent at supper. Reverse of fortune changes friends, reverse of circumstances, alas, too often changes feeds, pecuniary disappointments brought on a reduction of circumstances reduction of circumstances occasioned a reduction of meals and the necessity for such reduction being very apparent to a philosophic mind, engendered a reduction of craving for the same. Perhaps nothing could have proved more generally beneficial than the individual misfortunes of Mr. Bernard Kavanaugh, which transferred him to one of those Elysiums of brick and mortar. The poor law union, here, as he himself expresses it, the fearful fallacies of his past system were made beautifully apparent, he felt as if existence could be maintained by the infinitesimal process so benevolently advocated and regularly prepared, that one step more was all that was necessary to arrive at dietary perfectibility, that step he took, it being simply, instead of next to nothing, to live on nothing at all, and now, such was his opinion of the condiments supplied, he declares it to be by far the pleasantest of the two, it has been reported that Mr. Bernard Cavanaugh's powers of abstinence had their latent origin in enthusiasm, this he confesses to be the case. His great admiration for fasting having arisen from the circumstance of his frequently seeing the process of manufacturing the pauper gruel, which sight filled him with most intense yearnings to hit upon some plan by which, as far as he was concerned, he might forever avoid any participation in its consumption. That immense cigar, the mild Kavanaugh, favors us with the following practical account of his system, by which he intends, through the means of enthusiasm, to render breakfasts a superfluity luncheons, In utilities, dinners, dreadful extravagancies, teas, iniquitous wastes, and suppers, supper erogatories. Mr. BC proposes the instant dismissal, without wages or warning, of all the cooks, and substitution of the like number of Ciceros, thereby affording a more ample mental diet, as the followers will be served out with orations instead of rations. For the proper excitement of the necessary enthusiasm, he submits the following mental bill of fare, for strong stomachs and weak intellects. Thiagoos O'Connor, as per Crown and Anchor, Mr. Vincent, Mr. Robuck, with ancestral sauce very fine, if not pitched too strong, and D. in case of surfeit from the above, the editor of the Times may be resorted to as an antidote, Daniel O'Connell, whose successful practice of the exciting and fasting, or rather, starving system, among the rent contributors in Ireland, not only proves the truth of the theory, but enables B.C. to recommend him as the safest dish in the cart, Four weeks, stomachs and very small imaginations. Disraeli really been breakfast off the wondrous tale of Auroi, bolu or lunch on Siamese twins, Stevens dine off the Hungarian daughter, Hirati off the deluge, sup off the whole manor, the library, and B. none of the above will bear the slightest dilution for delicate digestions and limited understandings. Guillermo of World of Fashion, Lord John Russell's Don Carlos. Montgomery's Satan, Very Good as a Devil, Journal of Civilization, Any of F. Chorley's writings, Robin's advertisements, or poetry relating to a Warren's Jet Blacking, Formendal Bolter's Ainsworth's Jack Shepard, Harmer's Weekly Dispatch, Newgate Calendar, Terrific Register, Frankenstein, and C, and C, and C, the above forms a brief abstract of Mr. B. C. Single quote S plan, furnished and approved by the poor law commissioners. We are credibly informed that the same enlightened gentleman is at present making arrangements with Sir Robert Peel for the total repeal of the use of bread by all operatives, and thereby tranquillising the present state of excitement upon the Corn Law question, proving bread, once erroneously considered the staff of life, to be nothing more than a mere ornament. in S Y N C R D I C literature. Concluding remarks on an epic poem of Giles Scroggins and Molly Brown the circumstance which rendered Giles Scroggins peculiarly ineligible as a bridegroom eminently qualified him as a tenant for one of those receptacles in which defunct mortals progress to that born from whence no traveller returns, fancy the bereaved Molly, or, as she is in grief, and grief is tragical, Mary Brown, denuded of her scarf and black gloves, turning faintly from the untouched cake and tasteless wine, and retiring to the virtuous couch, whereon, with aching heart, the poet asserts she, the said, poor Molly, laid her down to a week, and then contemplate her the victim of somnolent consequences, when, she cried herself quite fast asleep, here an ordinary mind might have left the maiden and reverted, to her streaming eyes, inflamed lids, disheveled locks, and bursting sigh, as satisfactory evidences of the truth of her broken heartness, but the, great anonymous, of whom we treat, Scorns the application of such external circumstances as agents whereby to depict the intenseness of the passion of the ten thousand condensed turtle doves glowing in the bosom of his heroine. Sleep falls upon her eyes, but the life of death, the subtle essence of the shrouded soul, the watchful sentinel and viewless evidence of immortality, the wild and flitting erodim palpabilities of her fitful dreams, still haunt her in her seeming hours of rest. Fancy her feelings when, standing fast by her bedpost. A figure tall her sight engrossed, and it cried, I beast Giles Scroggins ghost. Such is the frightful announcement commemorative of this visitation from the wandering spirit of the erratic Giles. Death has indeed parted them. Giles is cold, but still his love is warm. He loved and won her in life. The hints at a right of possession in death, and this very forgetfulness of what he was, and what the island is the best essence of the overwhelming intensity of his passion. He continues with a beautiful reliance on the faith and living constancy of Molly, in reciprocation, though dead, of his deathless attachment to offer her a share, not of his bed and board, but of his shell and shroud, there is somewhat of the imperative in the invitation, which runs thus, the ghost it said so solemnly, "Oh, Molly, you must go with me, all to the grave, your love to cool, we have no doubt this assumption of command on the part of the ghost in assumption, be it remembered. Never ventured upon by the living Giles gave rise to some unpleasant reflections in the mind of the slumbering Molly. Must is certainly an awkward word. Tell any lady that she must do this, or must do that, and, however much her wishes may have previously prompted the proceeding, we feel perfectly satisfied, that on the very shortest notice she will find an absolute and undeniable reason why such a proceeding is diametrically opposed to the line of conduct she will, and therefore ought to, adopt with an intuitive knowledge of human nature, the great poet purposely uses the above objectionable word, how could he do otherwise, or how more effectually, and less offensively, extricate Molly Brown from the unpleasant tenantry of the proposed underground floor, command invariably begets opposition, opposition as certainly leads to argument, so proves our heroine, who, with a beautiful evasiveness, delivers the following expostulation, says she, I am not dead, you fool, one would think that was a pretty decent clincher, by way of a reason for declining the proposed trip to Giles Scroggins little property at his own peculiar graves and, but as contradiction begets controversy, and the enlightened poet is fully aware of the effect of that cause, the undaunted sprite of the inter Giles instantly opposes this, to him, flimsy excuse, and upon the peculiar veracity of a wandering ghost, triumphantly exclaims, in the poet's words words that, Lest any mistake should arise as to the speaker by the peculiar construction of the sentence, are rendered doubly individual. For, says TH.